Are you ready to bounce back better? Hey guys, Sarah K. Ramsey here to help you find love and success after a toxic relationship so you can design a life you're actually excited about living. How in the world do you keep your kids emotionally stable and safe in a really tough breakup, divorce, toxic situation, hot mess? I am here with Kathy. Hey, Kathy. Hi, how are you, Sarah? Good. And we are going to talk about her precious babies and how to keep them well and happy and whole despite in the midst of a divorce, you know, after a divorce as she, as she starts to rebuild her life. Um, and as their life changes. So how old are your kids, Kathy? Um, so my son is four months and my daughter is just over two. Oh, um, what's your favorite thing about being a mom? <laughs> I actually slightly enjoy the sleepless nights, um, because I feel like our relationship strengthens more in the nighttime hours than it does in the day. So I know nighttime feedings and everything like that are, is not for everybody, but I kind of, I kind of jones for it. Uh, I should have sent you, um, my son because he did not sleep through the night until he was five. I started bribing him with jelly biscuits before kindergarten. <laughs> it was a, it's really funny, but we are so close still today. And yeah, I'd gone to the pediatrician several times. I was like, he won't sleep. But it was the first day he was born. It was the very first day he was born. He um, was so happy when everyone was holding him. And as soon as they put him by himself in the crib, he was not having it. So, so I get it. I have had many of those nights, many of those sweet nights myself and some, some where I was just really tired. <laughs> so you're <laughs> pushing through. Um, so couple of things as you help your kids, help them grow with your two-year-old, you can al- already start using the language of the pyramid. Okay. And what that is in a family, in a healthy family, everyone takes turns at the top of the pyramid. Okay. Mm -hmm. In a toxic relationship, one person is at the top all the time, every time, right? It's Mm -hmm. always about them, right? (laughs) It's always about them. But in a healthy family, um, say um, Sam has a baseball game and wins. So Sam gets to pick where you eat dinner that night or what type of ice cream you have. Like that's a normal family dynamic. Cause Sam, it was kind of Sam's day. It was his turn to be at the top of the pyramid. If, you know, Alice is sick that day, you know, she gets to be at the top of the pyramid and gets to choose Sherbert and get the last Sprite or whatever else, because she's not feeling well. So in a healthy family dynamic, people take turns at the top of the pyramid. Those are probably kind of extreme examples because of course, if a kid's sick, they're going to be at the top. But yep. in a dysfunctional, toxic relationship, the toxic person always thinks they should be at the top, right? I've heard horrible examples of, why are you choosing the kids over me? You know, and it's like, what? Like, they're, they can't feed themselves. Like, what are you talking about? You know, they're just extreme jealousy, extreme selfishness, thinking they always get to be at the top of the pyramid. So teaching our kids that we take turns at the top of the pyramid is a language that is extremely easy for them to access. They understand it immediately. Teenagers, young kids, they understand immediately because one of the very first things you learn in preschool is taking turns, Mm -hmm. right? And one of the definitions of a toxic relationship is it's always their turn. It's always about them. It's always their needs. It's always their wants. It's always their anger. It's always their feelings, always their moods. And so giving our kids a language to understand toxic relationships so they don't get in toxic relationships is extremely healthy. And it's not bashing a family member, you know, or bashing a parent or saying anything ugly about it. It has nothing to do with the other parent. It's about teaching them healthy relationship dynamics. 
right? Setting them up for one day a partnership rather than a, a power struggle. I highly recommend using that. Also, there's something called a power hour. Have you ever heard of the power hour? I have not. Okay. So within play therapy, an exercise they give, give the parents is a power hour, which is one hour with the parent that the kid gets to choose everything you do. If they want the Play-Doh to be a bird, the Play-Doh's a bird. And mommy doesn't say, no, that's not the right way we do Play-Doh, okay? So obviously if they're throwing Play-Doh on the walls or eating it, you can intervene, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But it's all about giving them an opportunity to be in control when they feel like their life is out of control. They don't get to choose which bed they sleep in sometimes. They don't get to choose if they fall and scrape their leg, which parent picks them up. So they've lost a lot of control in their life, which can come out in tantrums, come out in, you know, other areas. And it's also good language to say during power hour, you're at the top of the pyramid. And if an hour feels overwhelming, do 30 minutes, but give them some semblance of control that is very healthy for them. Does that make any sense? It does. Yes. So what are you feeling about those two? (laughs) Um, No, I, I, I like that. I think, I think my daughter can definitely, um, definitely grasp onto that. Cause one of the things we're working on really hard right now, her and I is emotional intelligence and being able to access those feelings and access what she's exhibiting and know the, the signals like closed fists and like the, the nervous ticks of jaw going back and forth or grinding her teeth, et cetera, because these things have all popped up since, um, this has all started. Yeah. Yeah, I think that power hour would be really helpful. I mean, she just feels so out of control. Have you read the book, The Whole Brain Child? I have. Um, and it's actually one of my favorite ones. Um, so we, we work on that a lot. And we work on um, one of the things we do is we re- I have her retell the story of what's, what's going on in her life so that she can kind of um, gain more control about it and desensitize from it a bit. So yeah, that's, that's something that we, that we do a lot. Well, and I'm sure you remember from that book about um, addressing their feelings first rather than what they did or their behavior. Yes. You know, which doesn't mean we let their behavior off the hook, right? We don't want to get, just like in a toxic relationship, some people can get sucked in and say, oh, they've had such a bad childhood. They've had abandonment issues. They've had traumatic events. So we'll excuse all their bad behavior because of what happened to them, right? And so we, it's always, you know, a balance, right? You're standing on that seesaw of, I want to address your feelings, but you don't get to play the victim and avoid taking, you know, responsibility for hitting your little brother on the head or, or whatever else it may be, um, just because you cry, right? Because that can mm-hmm. be a manipulative technique too that toxic people use all the time, right? And toxic people are like really big, te- you know, toddlers. We expect them to grow up, but they don't. It's like uh, the baby in the high chair where they're banging their fist and saying, more, more, mommy, more, more, mommy, do more give me more, be better, more mommy. Um, and we expect that behavior out of toddlers, right? That's pretty much, it's kind of annoying, but it's age appropriate, right? For a baby to cry and expect you to give them milk. They're not saying, I wonder if mommy's had a bad day. I wonder if she's tired. I wonder if she's got a lot going on. She doesn't have you know time to get to this right now. They'd never think that, right? We hope as adults, people develop that empathy to think in those ways, but sometimes they don't. And they acted just like toddlers, banging their fist on that high chair and expecting you to run around and do their bidding. And then they then they get to say, well, that's not good enough. Well, that's not good enough. Well, you should try again. Well, that's not good enough. Does that sound familiar? It does, yes. Unfortunately familiar. <laughs> yes. 
and I also want to give you one more piece of, of advice, which is the, the bedtime routine. And in the book, The Thinking Person's Guide to Joy, the author says one of the most powerful ways to change your life and change your brain and change your feeling of peace and all the good stuff is thinking when you go to sleep about the three best things that happened to you that day. Okay. It's kind of like practicing gratitude, Mm -hmm. but in a situation where there's been divorce, where there's two houses, where there you feel nervous, like, are they going to choose him? Are they going to choose me? Are they going to, you know, which gets in all that yucky, yucky feeling and yucky mess that you, you know, you don't want to get into just really solidifies the good stuff that happens at your house. Especially if it's 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 a situation with good cop, bad cop. Well, they just get to have sugar all the time over there. They get to have TV all day. They get to whatever they get to do that day. And you're like, I'm trying to be a good parent. I'm trying to establish boundaries. I'm trying to establish rules. I'm trying to get them to do the right thing. But I feel like I'm always the heavy. I feel like I'm always the, the bad cop. And we know we need to do some of those things like eat your broccoli or whatever. But we don't want to feel like we're pushing away our kids because we're trying to get them to follow rules. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yep. So when you go over the three best things that happened to them that day, it really solidifies and glues in the good stuff that happens at your house. Right. And that can be as simple as a dance party in the kitchen. That can be uh, chocolate chip cookies after dinner. That can be walking outside and seeing the rainbow. You know, those do not have to be, you know, in any type of practice of happiness, they talk about the simple things, right. Um, taking stock in the simple things, finding joy from the simple things. Right. So it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. huge things, but it's just good memories with mama. Good memories with mama. Okay. Highly, highly, highly recommend that as a bedtime routine. It just creates such a good relationship. It's just so fun to think about the best parts of your day. And, you know, they, they really like it. I am statement. After toxic relationship, I am not good enough. I am a failure. I am whatever else is going on in your head. Um, and you don't honestly, I mean, of course you don't want that in your head, but you, you don't want it in your kids' heads either. My kids before bed each night, they say, I am strong. I am brave. I am a critical thinker. I am good at doing hard things. And I'm my mommy's girl or my mommy's boy. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, or a good reader, good at math, whatever belief I want them to solidify in their head because Kids get frustrated, right? If they're trying to learn how to ride a bike or learn how to swing on the swing or learning how to hold a pencil, they get frustrated and they think, I am not good enough. I'm never going to get it. I'm messed up, right? My dad left. He doesn't even want to be around us anymore. I must not be lovable, right? So we want whatever those beliefs are that we may not know is going on in our kid's head. We want to do our best to counter them, right? I am lovable. I am worthy of love. You know, I am good at doing hard things. I'm good at holding a pencil, you know, whatever it is in, in, in your life, in your kid's world, uh, that belief you want to pack in rather than I'm not good enough. Yeah. And always adding in my, you know, my mommy's girl, my mommy's boy. And I even say to my kids each night, I said, can I be your mommy forever? Okay. And can I be your mommy forever has nothing to do with any other parent, any other situation involved in the whole wide world. But any type of split, there's always that fear of losing your kids. There's always that fear of losing your kids and, or not having, losing them for every other Christmas morning or losing them on Thursday nights or whatever it is in each situation. And just, you know, can I be your mommy forever creates such safety for them that where whichever house they are at, you were always their mom 
and really creates a little a little promise for the two of you, right? Like, okay, I know you have two houses, but you know, we're still in this together. I'm still your mom. Yeah, definitely. I like that. What questions do you have? Um, I, I think you basically, you, you've covered all of them. Um, we, we've discussed how to help them process and help them, help them think about how the new dynamics are working. Um, you know, and I guess, especially in, in my situation, I'm just looking one of my biggest fears right now is protecting my two small children, my two small pre-verbal children right. um, from the chaos that's, that's going on around them. My son, my son just picks up on it. Um, unfortunately, he had a bunch of toxic stress while he was in the womb because all of this started then. Um, my daughter, you know, she definitely hear and understand. Her receptive speech is good. It's her expressive speech that, that is currently lacking. Um, so just trying to to protect her and shield her from the chaotic feelings and a lot of the emotions and making sure that she's able to thrive even in the midst of all this. Well, and the best way for your kids to thrive is for you to be the most peaceful place in their life. hundred percent, without a doubt, your house is peace. You are peace. It is calm when they are with you. Yeah. And that takes work on your end, right? A lot of work. It does. <laughs> a lot of work. It does. Right? But if you can't control that pieces of their life are chaotic, but if they don't have anywhere in their life that's not chaotic, that you know that that's where they can't they can't find footing, they can't find a solid ground. But if there's a home base to come back to that is calm, that is peaceful, that isn't chaotic, that's like um, this sounds silly. Even if they go out into the world and get cut a little bit, there's somewhere to go to heal. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So that's why I say so many times, and I know you're not asking this, but so many times it's like, oh, you know, I'm so worried about my kids. I'm so worried about my kids. I'm so worried about my kids. I said, one of the best things you can do is give your kids a stable, peaceful mother, right? And as a mom, if you've been living with a crocodile, right, in the form of a toxic person, there's a huge difference between a crocodile in your house and a crocodile in your head. But sometimes we don't recognize the difference. And when the crocodile's even gone from our house, the crocodile's still still in our head. And so we circle around as if we're about to get bitten. Yeah, I could definitely liken myself to that. <laughs> so the energy we're putting out to our kids is there's a crocodile around. Even though the crocodile's at a different house. And so, so then the kids have the crocodile around all the time. They have the crocodile around their mom's head. And I'm not saying, tell, please do not tell your children... Your dad's a crocodile. I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> right? You've got that storm fighting in your head, that that wrestling with the crocodile in your head. And then they go and, you know, in their real life, I'm not saying they're wrestling crocodiles, but, but you know, if there's chaos in the other situation, they've got chaos everywhere. Yeah. And then that's not calming for anybody. Um, And that's what's causing some of the behavior probably. Yes. So the best thing you can do for them is, you know, in your head, in your energy, you know, knowing when there's a crocodile to fight and when there's not. And when there's a crocodile to fight, you want to have saved your energy for that. You don't want to use all your energy up fighting battles in your head that aren't real. Does that help? 
It does. It does. That one's that one's sinking in a bit. <laughs> That's also I heard I heard the calm background. You even had like a siren going. It was like, yes, Kathy, pay attention to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This. Awesome. Well, thank you. I hope that helps. And thanks for joining us, Kathy. I hope you have a great night. Yes. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you. Bye. Hello, wonderful. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that you found something that will either help you get past your past, get real about your present, or get serious about your future. And hopefully it's all three. If you're not already in my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship, consider this your invitation. There are tons of lives, tons of tips and tricks to help you bounce back better. Have a great day.